This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 16. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. This week's topic is the importance of understanding your vision condition. And in the question of the week, we're going to answer the question that asks, do I really need to do four hours of eye exercises per day in order to see improvement? So Richard, how's the Brazilian world of self-healing been treating you this week? Yeah, it's been obviously a very exciting week. We flew down to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, it was a little crazy before we, we left. Had a lot of things to get <laughs> We done. did have a lot of loose ends. Oh, my to God. Turn. Yes. And you'll see the fruits of that uh, when we get back. So we'll, we'll start filling you in on that eventually here. Let's hope so. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and we're down here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, studying uh, eye anatomy and vision conditions. And we're also doing uh, a lot of eye exercises in amongst our study. So we're, we're with a bunch of people who uh, value eye exercises and actually knowing the anatomy. That's really why we're, we're down here. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the biggest thing I've noticed is just being in this community. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. There's, there's uh, around 40 people taking the course and there's maybe four or five top instructors that have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. And they really know their stuff. And it's just, uh, it's just a pleasure to be in that sort of environment. Yeah. Um, and we make eye jokes and everybody laughs. <laughs> so, uh, it's not just us anymore. No, no, it's not just us. There's people as strange as we are. And, uh, and now I'm proud of it. Yep. <laughs> well, it means we're actually doing a lot more. Act- well, not a lot more, but we're, doing, we're definitely getting our dose of eye exercises because these people value it. So they're spring, they're do, we'll do an hour of studying, let's say, the sclera, the white part of the... Uh, and then we'll get up and go outside and do eye exercises yeah and so. also even when we're sitting there studying every 30 minutes we put on a medium-sized piece of paper and stand up and start waving our hands to the side and work our peripheries and yeah it's nice that throughout the whole session i mean i've been obstructing my dominant eye for a big portion of this course exactly me too and i certainly feel less strain in my right eye no, for me, I'm like I've, I'm putting a piece of black paper over my right dominant eye, and I have a scotoma or a blind spot in my left eye, and I pl- I'll place that uh, blind spot on the speaker or something that's stimulating. Oh, that's what I do. That's what you do too. Yeah, we didn't discuss this. <laughs> I look up towards the light, and because mm-hmm. my uh, my macular hole is just off to the right, mm-hmm. so if I look just off to the left of a light then I know that the light is directly in that blind spot. Right, yeah. And then it has to be, I try to put something that I'm interested in, in the blind spot. So I'll oh, start and then using it. And, uh, make and, then I'll, it and I'll actually move it. Uh, we've probably drifted into something very specific without telling people. But basically what we're doing is we're putting a piece of black paper over our dominant eyes, blocking our central vision of our dominant eye. And since both Will and I have a blind area in one in our on our less dominant eye, our non-dominant eye, then we can take that blind spot and put it wherever we know it well enough. We can put it in some on something. Mm-hmm. So I put it on something interesting, like the speaker's face, and then I'll move it. I'll, so I'll, I'll get it on the face, and then I'll move slightly off so it becomes so I can see 
clearly mm-hmm. when I'm looking what I was looking at through the blind spot. Shift back to the blind spot and go back and forth ah. to try and like, okay, that's what I should be seeing through the blind spot. And then I move the blind spot onto that thing and see if I can see that thing again. That's funny because I was just having a conversation. And I'm sure we're going to dedicate a whole topic to this at some point with one of the lecturers here, Fernanda. And uh, one thing that we learned yesterday was the importance of the brain mm-hmm. in vision and how, in fact, 90% of our vision comes from the brain first, mm-hmm. where it then meets the images from the retina. So she was saying how using sort of visualization so exactly what right you just what you just described except for me we suggested to do it with the retinitis pigmentosa with the periphery so i would be looking at you and then it's sort of fuzzy around almost like a a circle around you so what i would do instead of leaving it fuzzy i would look say to the left of you acknowledge what's there right and then look back at you again and try and hold with my brain the detail that was there previously yeah i was listening in on the conversation oh. too so I, I i got that same i haven't quite done it yet but that you the step that you're adding to what i'm talking about is maybe you look at you you move what you want to look at into clarity you see what it looks like then you uh, close your eyes visualize seeing that clear thing clear image inside the blind area mm-hmm. and then look with the blind area and see if it comes yeah. It's true, essentially. Yeah. And then the basis of this is what we've been learning, what you just said, that 90% is coming from the brain. 90% of our vision is sort of determined by the brain. Yeah. So if you can use visualization to get the brain on your side, then uh, it can really work. And what's nice about this is this isn't just hearsay. There's so many studies, especially in sports science. I know during my sports science degree, a large portion of the psychology section was visualization and mm-hmm. how these athletes are training and it, it fires off the same responses in the body and uh, we just we really don't appreciate the role that our brain right. plays in the initial part of our seeing mm-hmm. before we've talked about how important it is in seeing all with all the processes and etc but we've not really discussed and we will do go into more detail at some point in how it's part of that initial trigger of seeing in what you're actually seeing in the first place. Right. So, but you found out some interesting news with your condition whilst we were here this week, some pretty optimistic stuff. Yeah, there was so much this week, so uh, <laughs> it's hard to even focus on one thing. But yeah, so um, I heard about a case um, from Fernanda again, who um, uh, this woman... She worked with, right? She, she worked with one of right, her clients. One of her clients. And she is a optometrist here right. in Sao Paulo, a very successful um, practice where she's combined the Mishnaida method of self-healing with optometry. Right. She had a client who was trying to rebuild uh, optic nerve, uh, the, the cells around the optic disc where the optic nerve comes in, mm-hmm. which is a similar problem to me. I have a uh, a pit there's a pit basically in the back of the retina where the optic nerve comes in and i have uh, what's called cupping or a little bit of damage to that pit mm-hmm. around there and that's this client had the very same condition and the 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 cells around that pit are what contribute to my blind spot being enlarged anyway so the the condition was exactly what i was uh, experiencing myself and this client she worked with her for with eye exercises for a while 
and then realized uh, what she really needed was more, a lot more blood flow to that area. Well, she went to an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. and it was her, her second time there, and Fernanda was working with her. And she was doing okay, but there wasn't the improvements that they hoped. Right. And the ophthalmologist said, look, will you agree that she will start taking the drops if the third right. time she comes back, there's no improvement because her pressure was still up. Um, right. And they really wanted to try and see the pressure drop because it was either glaucoma or something very similar to glaucoma. Right. So, um, yeah, she was up against it because the, optom- the ophthalmologist really wanted to do drops. Yeah. And Fernando wanted to, to keep the client away from the drops, essentially. Yeah. And um, so they were really trying to do a program that would show benefits so she wouldn't have to do that. So and they did it two times. They went to the ophthalmologist twice and it didn't show the results they they needed. Mm-hmm. So she shifted strategy at the end, and and this uh, client started swimming, doing lots of aerobics. Yeah, they they sent her to uh, Bio, which is a lady here that uh, has muscular dystrophy, and she, I mean, she should be in a wheelchair right, right. now. Basically, she has one of the one of the worst kinds that you can get. But she's leading this. She's been working on herself for twenty years now, right. and clients. And I mean, she's just amazing what she's can, achieved with herself and others. Yeah, we can tell she's had muscular or has muscular dystrophy by the mm-hmm. way she walks. But the average person wouldn't know it. And if you compare it to, I know the School for Self Healing sells some DVDs on muscular dystrophy and what you can do to improve it, and be as in that. Right. And um, you see how difficult it is for her to walk. Right. And then now you just you couldn't you compare tell, the two. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so she she sent this client to Bia, who then said, you know, why don't you go out and do a lot of aerobics? So she went became highly involved in swimming and and all of these things. And that by the so by the third appointment with the ophthalmologist, she came back and that there's a, a scan that you can do that actually sees this pit in the back of your mm-hmm. eye. And they were actually the the cells around the rim of the pit, yeah. which is my problem as well. We're getting healthier and growing, and you could actually see it in the scan. It's amazing. Yeah. So this, so it's exciting for me that if I could develop these cells, then my blind spot would shrink, mm-hmm. and I would have more vision, basically. Yeah. And of course, with the more vision comes more blood. Right. And it just promotes health and balance in the eyes. So it, it inspired me to become this aerobics guy. <laughs> we'll see how. So I, I was telling Will on the way back from this uh, class, like, okay, get rid- get used to skinny Richard because I'm going to do it for my eyes, if not my waist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they also did a lot of body work as well. Exactly, yeah. On this, on this lady. You're which, right. Bia did a lot of bo- body work on her as well. Because Bia just has this amazing intellectual and also uh, intuitive understanding of muscles from where she's learned so much about it and she's worked so close with muscular dystrophy just like i guess we would with vision Mm -hmm. understanding it ourselves so that you know she knew the specific massage and the exercises and it just shows that that increased blood flow she still did the eye exercises that fernanda she kept with the eye exercise program but uh i think they said that she just she just fell in love with exercise and yeah and uh, her vision improved as a result. Yeah. So that's exciting that you right. had that little. Uh, yeah. So I might even vision. I might even look into a pool when I get back. So we'll see. I think we should. Uh, I think we should make the listeners start hassling you to, <laughs> to make you go to the gym and oh, uh, start God. swimming and oh, yeah. uh, get your aerobics going. Yeah. Some spin class, I'm so, sure. Yep. My biggest observation this week, other than 
um, all the great knowledge and um, some more information that I'm going to talk about later. But it was when we traveled here. How long do you think we traveled for? Maybe 23 hours? Uh, maybe 18. I don't even know. We left it I, <laughs> with all the time change and everything. It was a long time. So we got here and um, we caught a taxi. We got stuck. Of course, oh. the day we arrived, there's a, a public yeah. transport strike. Yeah, the subway was on strike. Yes. So what should have been a 40-minute taxi ride was nearly two hours right. stuck in the, the traffic on the way into Sao Paulo. And... Um, so we arrive and we, we went and grabbed something to eat and sort of tried to orientate ourselves. And we'd maybe, I mean, I'd slept maybe four hours on the plane. Right. You'd maybe only got one or two hours sleep. And um, so, but I noticed how poor my periphery was. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because I adjusted to it. I thought, hmm. oh, I, d- I didn't realize how bad my periphery actually was. You know, I was walking around and okay. we were meeting lots of new people. Right. I mean, in this house alone where we're staying, there's like 10 Brazilians yeah. staying here and everyone's saying hello and we're at this big dinner table and, you know, everything's talking different languages and I don't have this periphery and everyone's trying to, right. you know, shake my hand and kiss me on the cheek. And I hey, Actually, kissing you on the cheek is better for you because it's up near, it's not well, so peripheral, actually. It's well, good. it is if I know they're kissing me on the cheek because if I turn the wrong way, then, it, <laughs> then it's, a, it's a front smooch. So we yeah, have to yeah. be careful. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's all right for the younger women. It's but... <laughs> right. It's okay. There are so much of the older ones. <laughs> but um... Oh, I don't know. We, oh, we deserve, no, it's we, nice. It's nice. We deserve those kisses, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's, uh, my periphery felt really shrunk and I was like, wow, being because obviously we get comfortable being in our social network yeah. and I get used to my vision there. But I thought, oh, being around all these new people, I really didn't realize how poor my periphery was. So as the days were going on and we were getting some more sleep and I was eating some really healthy food here and drinking plenty of water, as the days went on, my the, the next day, my periphery had doubled from what hmm. it was the first wow. day. And then the day after that, it doubled again. Wow. So I just saw this mass increase in periphery over the space of two or three days. Hmm. It was amazing. So when I hadn't really done any eye exercises, as well, what, what we there is what we had done in the class. Right, which wasn't as much peripheral work as you're used to. But it just goes to show what an influence, the fatigue mm-hmm. and, you know, the traveling and being in a new environment and just, you know, anxiety of what the course was going to be. Right. And, you know, I don't speak any Portuguese, but a little bit. Um, and it was just, Not you know, overwhelming. It just, that, that static that I talk about in my periphery just, just was everywhere. Right, right. So it was over the days I could really see that static reduce. And my periphery came back to the point where I could start seeing the sort of blurry shapes again in my periphery. Whereas uh. before it was just that that tunnel vision so it was uh tough but exciting at the same time to watch i could actually watch the retinitis pigmentosa working in my eye and watch the anxiety and work you know watch Mm -hmm. everything work as it goes on so that was certainly uh fascinating for me and that's something that i really wanted to share as soon as possible because it was just yeah and that would be a good it's a good skill to have for anyone with a condition like ours uh, fairly serious condition is to be able to watch when it's when it's dropping off and when it's getting better yeah because you could imagine if that was my lifestyle all the time mm-hmm. and i'd be like oh my rp is really bad and you know and then the negative yeah. spiral the 
you probably would only if you weren't practicing like you are you probably just notice the negative and say that's the way i see yeah i mean now i would I probably would be upset because I'd be like, oh, how embarrassing. My RP's a lot worse and yeah. I can't function around all these people. Instead, it was, oh, okay. So for a couple of days, it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously now it's not perfect. But still, I noticed that there's an improvement to what it was before. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, so I think it's a good time to move on to topic of the week. topic this week is the importance of understanding your vision condition and here we are studying night and day well not yeah it is night and day actually <laughs> it really is night it really and is day. night and day because the class finishes and luckily we're so blessed with that we're living in the house of the, the teacher one of the, one of the main teachers that's yeah. here as as well as being with dr mish schneider and also melissa moody who's practiced with me for many years now and uh, also sonia who's a specialist here she's an occupational therapist right and to have all these brains in one room and of course then Richard and I get involved and uh, it leads to to midnight discussions on uh... every lunch break every it's like it's <laughs> continuous uh, discussion about eye anatomy and how, uh, how it influences yeah it. we have to be careful with this podcast not just to, to for it to be four hours long <laughs> talking about everything that we've uh, yeah. learned over these yeah. few days to shed light which pretty much leads to the top, the topic of the week, I guess, that right. the idea of learning all this anatomy is to shed light on your condition. Yeah, and not everyone, of course, is uh, geeky as we are in terms of like being excited about learning eye anatomy yeah. for its own sake, <laughs> which we I don't think we do either. We do it for the sake of learning how to treat our clients and yeah. learning how to treat ourselves. So in that context... For me, it's been uh, very exciting to learn about, in particular, uh, basically a phenomenon called uh, that's like static. It's like uh, the snow on a TV set, uh, or static in a line. You know that kind of, kind yeah. of that kind of noise. And it's interesting because that's what I see in my periphery. It's the same, right. same static. Yeah, you see it in your periphery. It's sort of like a little kind of sparkly, right? Like mm-hmm. staticky kind of thing. Yeah. And I see it within the blind spot, within what's called a scotoma. Okay. In both eyes, actually. Right. I have this little area, this little area that has static in it. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's like, oh, that's an interesting phenomenon. I didn't really understand it thoroughly until mm-hmm. this week. Okay. And uh, I guess the piece, of inf- the piece of anatomy or, yeah, it is anatomy that I learned this week was that when the brain is uh, receives basically imperfect visual information mm-hmm. from the retina, that it basically wants to refuse that information. Sort of like a little quality checker says, that's not good enough information. Yeah. So it kind of puts up this big stop, you know, that puts its hand up. It says, no, no, I'm not taking that information. <laughs> and that creates kind of a traffic jam, essentially, of information yeah. in that area. And uh, that traffic jam becomes static. Mm-hmm. So this is so even if you if this is true for you for years, that you're going to have this big stop sign up. The brain's going to put this big stop sign up, create this this static. Mm-hmm. Then when you try and improve that area, it's still going to have the stop sign up. Yeah, you're still going to have static. So the thing I learned this week is the importance of palming to clear out that static. 
Ah. So if you just sort of try and use that area to exercise the area, it'd mm -hmm. be great because your brain would start to engage with it, which you need to do. Yeah. But you also need to clear out the static in that area. So when the palming does that because it's black? Yes, because, well, in, in my case, it's the optic nerve in particular. Um, so you're the, resting the optic nerve. Right. So there isn't that buildup of traffic, just like when we tried to get in from Sao Paulo. Exactly, yes. <laughs> for two hours. So I have, I have a metro strike in my optic nerve, basically. <laughs> and uh, Little did we know we were actually heading to Richard's optic disc. Yeah, we were traveling along, <laughs> yes, the optic nerve. Um, yeah, so that was... it's. It's exciting for me as a person who loves eye anatomy mm -hmm. to learn that piece of information. But as a person with this vision condition, it motivates me to do palming, which yeah. is not my favorite activity, no. which a lot of people is true. But it just it gives us basic understanding. And this this goes back to the step one of our learn, create, integrate approach, which is to learn. And we know that a lot of people just think, oh, why? Why learn anatomy? Oh, I don't understand anatomy. Yeah. I just do the eye exercises. But it really does help bring practicality, understanding, and motivation in doing the eye exercises. And it just it makes such a difference. Well, and if you're given a set of exercises, basically, and told these are good for you, you'll be motivated for a while to go, okay, yeah. you know, Will and Richard say these are good for me. I'll do them. <laughs> but at a certain point, you go, this is a hassle. And yeah. then you, you need the motive. You need to be, this is the taking healing in your own hands. You need yeah. to take healing in your own hands and be motivated to do it and know why you're doing it. And I suppose it's different with a doctor because he just gives you a pill. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just... Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? ...need to know that you need to have it before or after breakfast. Yeah. And you don't have to think about it. You just take the pill. But with these exercises, you actually have to get yourself out of bed, off the couch. You yep. know, you have to get uh, home early from work. You know, you just you have to motivate yourself to do these eye exercises in order for them to work. So just having that understanding. And I think also to be able to explain it to other people. Right. When, yeah, your family, for one thing. Like, why am I spending 15 minutes in this dark closet instead of <laughs> talking to you? Yeah. That it could, it could uh, defuse that if you could say to them, this is why I'm doing it. And so. if you say, oh, these guys told me it would be good for my eyes, so I'm doing it, then obviously the criticism is, is there. But if you could say, well, it's because there's a backup of static in my... You know, my optic yeah. nerve, it's not being processed. So by palming, it means that you get to rest the optic nerve and it allows the static to clear out. Mm -hmm. Then I think people would go, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> I mean, it's really not that different than, you know, the way we now understand cardiac, you know, cardiac conditions. Yeah. Like I have to go to the gym to to be on the treadmill in order to prevent heart attacks, things like that. And you just if you if you didn't know what well, even um, I don't know, quitting smoking. Yeah. If you didn't know quitting smoking was bad for you, if they didn't talk about the lung cancer and, and the buildup of tar yeah. and everything, if you didn't know that, then you just yeah. keep smoking. So having that understanding, and of course that's taught to us from a very young age now, mm -hmm. that we it's common knowledge to us. People yeah. still smoke, but it's common knowledge. Uh, the same as people will know this and just not do the eye exercises. But for the vast majority of us, it's a big boost for motivation. And it also helps us even create and adapt the eye exercises because there is no one way to do this. Well, in my case, too, I can now look at the static and say, oh, that, that's the phenomenon I'm trying to change. Mm -hmm. Now that I know that the static directly relates to palming, I can use that as a gauge as to you know, how my palming is going. So. 
So one thing that I learned this week, which really helped encourage me to keep improving my eyes, was to find out more about the structure of the rods and cones and the whole process of actually seeing in the retina. So when we were talking about these rods and cones, we were saying how in the central vision you start with say one cone cell which connects to one bipolar cell which right. connects to one ganglion which is the process which sends the message to the brain and that's obviously a crisper clearer right one to one to one is clear yeah. yeah but then as you go further out in the macula and out into the periphery it increases more and more so say in the outer part of the macula you might have two cone cells to one bipolar to one ganglion. Mm -hmm. So you're getting messages from two different photoreceptor cells receiving the light, which is still being sent to the brain by that one ganglion cell. Now, when you get further out into the periphery, you can have up to even 10, even more rod cells mm -hmm. that are connected to maybe two or three bipolar cells, mm -hmm. which then connect to just one ganglion. Right. So what I found out this week, which was fascinating, is that say out of those 10 cells, one or two of them decide to stop functioning, mm -hmm. then the bipolar and the ganglion cells decide to stop transmitting the signal yeah. from all 10 of those rods right. to the brain. Right. So if you can start activating, and this is what I've talked about before in my blogs about RP and how I'm improving it, but I've never been able to express it in this much detail before. Mm -hmm. If you can wake up those other eight cells again, mm -hmm. then you've gained that part of your peripheral vision. Huge chunk, yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a crazy amount of peripheral yeah. vision, right? So it helps explain why when I do the peripheral vision exercise, covering my central vision, stimulating the periphery, then I'm working to wake up those dormant cells mm -hmm. that, that the brain's already switched off because the signal of, just like Richard said, yeah. if it's not a good signal or if it's not a good image, the brain just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So yeah. it switches Our brain it is a bit perfectionistic that way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also that the cells itself are saying, oh, we're pretty damaged. You don't need to use us yeah. anymore. Yeah, we'll retire. Yeah, just yeah. start using you know the rest of the periphery. And it continues. So, I mean, what huge motivation to really try and stimulate those cells. Mm -hmm. And it also explains why I'm seeing an increase in my periphery, which is mm -hmm. fantastic because, I mean, it's unexplainable because nobody's outside yeah. self-healing. No one's doing this. Well, most people believe you can't turn those cells around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, so that certainly helps motivate me just by learning that, that piece of anatomy. Mm -hmm. And who knows what uh, you might find out being the listener's um, when you start discovering the anatomy of your own condition and finding these fine details to really help do the exercises. Yeah, it's motivation. It also helps you fine-tune your technique and your process of checking in on if it's working or not. So. so, but even if it was just that knowledge, that helps me understand why the peripheral vision I exercise is such an important one for me. I mean, obviously, things like distance looking and sunning. I mean, the sunning itself stimulates the cells that we're talking about. So mm -hmm. again, yeah. so as soon as you get that knowledge and, you know, it's so easy to access the eye exercises that are written uh, on our website where it's just listed and we say exactly what each eye exercise does. So if you can find out that information, go to the eye exercise section and you can start finding out which eye exercises are best for that part of your anatomy. Yeah, good plan.
So I think it's a good time to move on to question of the week. And the question of the week this week is, do I need to really spend four hours a day practicing eye exercises in order to see improvement? And the reason why this question comes up is obviously people like ourselves and Dr. Mish Schneider, he used to be blind and now he can see. And obviously he spent four, 10 hours a day working on his vision as a teenager in order to get where he is today. And also there's people like Melissa Moody, who you can read her story on the School for Self-Healing website. And also there's a, a new documentary out called Happy, which features Melissa in it. And it tells her story on how she was injured. And we've talked about her before. And right. obviously it's what the Melissa Eye Exercise was named after. Mm -hmm. Dr. Schneider named that after Melissa. And, um, you know, she obviously had to spend a lot of time working on herself and just like Bia that we talked about with muscular dystrophy, she spent four to six hours a day working on herself, strengthening the muscles and now she can walk and you know she's never been in a wheelchair and she's looking nice and strong and healthy. So there are these, a big group of us that really are dedicating four or five hours a day in self-healing to work on ourselves. Yeah, I mean, the, the answer is basically yes and no. Cause, and it, it really kind of takes care of itself because the people who do spend that amount of time tend to have conditions that are so serious that they almost don't have a choice. And their life has been so disrupted mm. by their condition that it's self sort of self-evident that they need to spend that amount of time. So. And I think it's it's just a lot more motivating you don't have a choice. You, you kind of don't, yeah. Because if you don't work on it, like myself, if I don't work on my periphery, I'm going to go blind. Right. It's pretty, and pretty, that's just, pretty strong motivation. Yeah, right? it's, it's, uh, it's on, you know, on and off. It's either I do this or I don't. Yeah. And there's millions of people around the world that yeah. even though they know that, they still don't do the eye exercises at all, which is a shame. But those that are motivated to do it, will spend the time working on their vision. Right. I think that the, so the people who don't have serious conditions, no, you do not have to spend four to five hours a day yeah. improve, to improve your eyesight. For lesser conditions like, you know, myopia, stigmatism, presbyopia, you don't need to spend that amount no. of time. Obviously, it's more beneficial if you do. Sure. And you're going to see quicker results. Right. And your vision's going to feel a lot better and, and everything will be improved through doing those four hours a day. But it's just, I guess, whether you have the time to do it, yeah. to do it or not. Yeah. But it's, you know, we recommend no less than an hour a day, certainly mm -hmm. on your eyes so that you can see improvements. Otherwise, it's just the same old, oh, I tried eye exercises for a few months and right. they didn't work and this is rubbish. And when you go back and you realize you just did, you know, 10 minutes a day mm -hmm. um, or 10 minutes a week even and then said, oh, these eye exercises don't work. You know, you really need to give them a good shot in the beginning. But it's certainly something that the idea of when we tell these stories, they're meant to be motivational. You know, mm -hmm. look at these people. They spent 11 hours a day mm -hmm. working on their eyes. Like when I did my long palming, I palmed for 30 hours over one weekend. Mm -hmm. And people think, how am I ever going to spend, you know, I'm not going to spend 30 hours palming. There's no way right. I'm going to improve my vision. But so we intend it to be motivational and some people just get intimidated and uh, just avoid the eye exercises altogether. But even if you do have a condition, say like RP, 
then you know you want to do as much as you can and just try and stick to that minimum and even if you're just maintaining a level then that's still good yeah and you can make little pushes and then maintain and make, you know you can you can vary the amount you do too depending on your life and this is why we put such an emphasis on integrating the eye exercises into our lives, which is step three of our three-step approach of self-healing. And this is because those of you that don't have that time to work on yourselves, then before you know it, you can start building up these eye exercises throughout the day. And you might have done two, three, maybe even four hours of eye exercises without having to really break your routine or really consume a lot of your day spending doing the eye exercises that you need to see those improvements. And when we talk about these great stories of these people that have improved their vision or indeed their body condition, instead of being intimidated, just think of it as a nice motivational aspect that there are these people out there that are being told that their condition can't be improved, there's no hope for them, but instead, they're working hard on themselves and they're seeing improvements and they're living a fantastic and normal life that they can do and take it one step further and also help others to do the same. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard, you can check over to our website at envisionselfhealing.com and find out a lot more video blogs that both Richard and I do on our own self-healing and techniques that we recommend over there. You could also find your free vision improvement program over in the conditions section. Just click on your condition and you will find a free program there for you in which eye exercises that you can work on to improve your eyesight. You can also head over to our Facebook fan page where there's plenty of pictures there on how we're getting on with our vision and also a bit of an update on our Brazil trip and some of the things that we're getting up to over here. You can also follow us on Twitter and you can find out our Twitter addresses by heading over to our website. Also, if some of the information resonated with you today and how understanding more anatomy could improve your eyesight, Go ahead and download our free ebook, A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight, from our website, which explains a little bit more in a very basic, simple term how the anatomy can improve your eyes and to help give you a little bit more understanding to help you improve your vision. So, good luck with your eye exercises this week and happy healing. <laughs>